Jesse's gone. Will Jurgen be left? I'm going to get to all of that in a sec. This is one kick from glory. I'm joined as always by Matthew. Yes. And Marcus is here with us. Yeah. Craig can't make it today, but he sends his, his best wishes. We are going to start off as the intro suggested by talking about Jesse Marsh, the latest manager to be relieved of their duties in the Premier League. Some would say not before long. Others would say probably deserved a bit longer. I want to start with you, Marcus. When you heard the news of Jesse Marsh's sacking, what was your kind of thoughts and reactions to all of it? Yeah, not surprised. You know, Leeds have been in free fall. They have not been winning games. They've, they've been struggling. Um, obviously, Jesse tries to play a style of football that is appealing, but, you know, end of the day, you know, if you don't have any leverage with a football club, then it's a results game and the results weren't good enough. No, they weren't at all. I, I think the only only sad news for you, um, Matthew, is that that's another three points off the board that you potentially could have gotten uh, from a team and, and you're desperately crying out for points. I mean, for you, do, do you look at that sacking? Obviously, your former player, Lampard, was the previous manager to lose his job. Um, and of course, your former manager, Tuchel, <laughs> was one of the first casualties of the season. So I feel like you, you're quite well-averse to managers being let go. But how do you think the general sentiment is going to be now, um, just with Marsh now being gone? Uh, well, the next thing is going, well, who's going to be next? The funny thing is, is, I listened to the radio the other day and I just happened to catch where they were saying who they kind of like the next manager. And... I don't know whether it's grandeur or just pure ambition, but we're looking at names where it's like, okay, you're going after people who are like somebody's who can prove, who have a point to prove. I heard one guy talking about Pochettino. What's your thought? Pochettino? Pochettino was one of the people that got named. Um, no one else said Frank Lampard. Some actually said he wouldn't mind having Bielsa coming back. Would he even want the job again? I don't think he wanted one back. We have to get that bucket, you know, get bring it back out of retirement. But it's a shame to see because it's like, I know they're not in like the worst spot, but we're not in a good spot because we've literally blinked. And like we said a few weeks ago, Forest are literally on the better half of the bottom half of the table. Results are picking up for them. You know, getting points against us, beating teams like Leeds and not. I think there's, for the neck between here and now, their home games are going to count massively. Getting knocked out of the Carabao Cup is probably the best thing that could have happened to them. They need that Premier League survival so they can go again in January and actually establish, you know, a strong, a stronger plan to kind of push up the table just a little bit more because the, it, the history they have that you know it's it's nice to see them back in the league. Um, but I'm not. I, I don't feel either way about it. You know, it's one of those one that was it's one of those one that was coming. But it'll be interesting to see who comes in next. I highly doubt Pochettino is going to be in the dugout at Ellen Road anytime soon. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different candidates that have been have been touted as potential names. I know Ralph, Ralph Hassan Hutel's name's in the bag. Of course, Marcelo Bielsa is an option. They're also looking at Celtics manager Anger Postacoglu, and they're looking at Rio Vanicano's manager Adroni Iraola. Um, but I guess for you, Marcus, if you were to pick the next manager for Leeds, considering not just the the culture of the city but how greatly intertwined the fans are to how they do things. Who would be the coach that you think would be the right manager to bring them forward? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think Leeds have to be ambitious at, at this stage. Like there's, you know, 
a couple of examples you look at like Southampton who you know ended up hiring the Luton manager when when they was um looking for a new manager and you know they're still kind of in the mix for relegation and you know when you're when you're in that spot like you know where your where leads are you know finishing ninth under Bielsa and you know then kind of just staying up last year you want to really be ambitious so I I, you know I heard the owner flew back to London to meet with Pochettino for dinner and you know you want to make them types of pitches they they are the the type of pitches you want I think Pochettino is more likely to hold out to the summer and and see what's available to him in the summer um you know likely Tottenham um and and the Conte situation um, and see how that gets resolved but you know another name that I, I heard mentioned was Luis Enrique which I think would be a an interesting candidate again, kind of pitching way above their their station, and 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 I like that idea. I I'm just more inclined to think that Leeds will probably end up settling with you know the likes of someone that that is just kind of at their level, or you know a, a pull up like for example Corbaran, the West Brom manager. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard reports that Corbaran turned them down to stay at West Brom. He wants to see that project through. I mean, based on the bookmakers, they're they're putting final manager on a slot as the favourite, eleven to ten to get that job, and then in second place is Andoni Iraola at five to four. So we'll see how things spin. Maybe they could be wrong. The bookmakers usually have a good sense for these kind of things. But speaking of Maurizio Pochettino and his potential return to Spurs. Of course, we had the record-breaking feat of Mr. Harry Kane, MBE, I believe he's an mm-hmm, MBE. He is. Uh, and um, first off, you know, no sarcasm. I just want to give a good round of applause for Harry. That's enough claps. Um, you know, it's an incredible achievement for him to be, you know, to become the all-time top goal scorer at your club. I remember when Omri beat Ian Wright's record in the Champions League away to... Um, Slavia Prague all those years ago and it was just special to know that that record has now gone on to a, a player in this current era obviously Wrighty was you know within the same era as Omri but like they just missed each other by a few seasons of playing it's together like part of a torch a little bit yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it, it just felt seismic that moment and I know for, for, for Tottenham fans in particular they'll be so glad of Harry Kane getting that that record. I know he's really proud of himself for doing it. He's got his eyes now on the Premier League one, of course. For you, Matthew, when you look at what Harry Kane has achieved, do you think now we could we could comfortably say that Harry Kane is top three best Premier League strikers of all time? It's tricky because you consider there's so many other candidates up there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away if someone did put him in there because after the record he's just had and the record he can probably go and get in his career, mm. he definitely does deserve it. I think we, I mean, I think we sometimes underestimate how good he is because of A, no disrespect, he does play, he is a Spurs player and also for what he does for England. Actually on that, on the Spurs tribute, I hope, Conte, I hope you're recovering from your operation nicely. All the best for you in Italy. I can't wait to see you back in the dugout, dugout mate, but just don't beat us, Okay. I've done my bit. Um, but we we forget just how effective he is because he's, an, he's a dream of a striker when you think about it. He can score from anything. He's going to be a nightmare for defenders. So he caught, he's like, you look, at, you look at the breadth of goals he scores, headers, the goal he scored on the weekend, classic striker's goal, tap in, long range. I mean, the guy, I mean, in regards to what happened in the World Cup, he can do a good penalty. Mm-hmm. But it's literally, and that covers so 
much of like of a, what a striker is able to do. Plus, if you look at the, what in numbers behind Haaland, he's not massively far behind. I'm not saying he's going to beat Haaland, but considering he's the only one that's actually close and a big chunk of those goals from him for Tottenham are coming from him, keep him in that fight for the top four. It shows you for Spurs, he's, no, he's nothing short of instrumental. I agree. For nothing short of instrumental. And yeah, like I said before, we sometimes forget because of the shirt that he wears most of the time, not necessarily matching his ambition. That's what doesn't. That's what sometimes makes it unfair at that in a way because it's almost like you can see what he could do at if he takes those attributes with him because they're natural attributes, as natural strikers' instincts. If he could take that to another club, who knows what the, the damage he could do would be like sensational. I guess the key words is take it to another club because obviously he's happy and comfortable in Spurs. I don't know why, but, but he he's, he's now he's broken the record. That might be an incentive to keep him. You never know if he's going to break. The, you, you never know. You never know. I think he's got the incentive. He's broken the record after like God knows how many years. He's showed commitment to them already. So I don't know. Yeah. On that note, um, Marcus, I got a double question for you. The first question is, I mean, I know we've mentioned this before about Harry Kane and moving on from Tottenham, but yeah. So I'm not really going to ask you, should he move on from Tottenham? Um, the question I want to say is, what do you think would be a reasonable fee for him this summer? And the second question is, as I said, I think Kane is now in the top three of Premier League strikers now in history, which is a bit funny because Alan Shaw will be looking at me like, are you feeling all right? <laughs> so my question for you, Marcus, then is if, if, if Kane is in the top three, do, is he, do you rate, would you say he's a better striker than Luis Suarez was to Liverpool? Good questions. Um, like the thing, the thing about Kane and his time at Tottenham and the more and more I think about it, like, you know, I, I know he's won nothing and I know at the end of the day, that's going to be what he's going to be measured by. And, you know, I, I just wonder, like, is it better to enjoy and become a fan's legend at your home club um when your club is as big as tottenham and, and you know like it's not we're not talking jack Grealish and aston villa here like you know we're talking a club that's there or thereabouts on the champions league stage they they're in the knockouts of the champions league um they got to a final you know within the last few years they they've had a couple of runs at the title granted they, they, they fell short but is it is it better to be a legend there than to win a couple of Bundesligas at Bayern Munich um, or, you know, to even go to Man City and win a title that will be taken off you um, in five years. Um, like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, and, and, and the move to Man United has always felt a bit sideways um, at this particular stage um, in his career and kind of where Man United have been at versus where where Spurs have been at. So I, I don't know. I don't know if he will if he will move on, um, especially with that Premier League record. Um, you know, but is Harry Kane a better striker than Luis Suarez consistency wise? Yes. Like, you know, what he's done over, you know, seven or eight years is is nothing short of phenomenal. Twenty odd goals a season, consistent, you know, brilliant finisher mm. yeah season where he finished top goal scorer top assists a couple of seasons ago like you know or second assists behind De Bruyne but like that that level of output from a striker that for, for a long time we thought just scored goals like um and, and 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 I think I think to answer that I would say yes consistently um in terms of 
peak season. Um, I think Suarez's peak season at Liverpool was still a, a higher level of production and, and quality than, than Harry Kane has, has done in any one season. Um, but, but that would be my evaluation. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I do think that Kane hasn't had an individual season that's anywhere close to what Suarez has done. That that guy was on demon time. It was ridiculous, man. I, I used to feel sorry for some defenses, man. You, you look at you look at the the game, the, you know, the, the lineup. You look in the tunnel, you see Luis Suarez's face, and you just knew he's, he's getting <laughs> two today. Yeah. He's, he's, he's getting two at least. Norwich. If you're Norwich, he's getting more than that. <laughs> you know, Richard just knew it was it was just done before it even begun. Score some goals, man. Um, we've got a big topic to get to, uh, but just before we land there, I just want to quickly touch on our games this past week, and I mean very very quickly. There's not really much to say about it. We'll start off with Chelsea. Very boring nil nil draw on a Friday night. Very disappointed. Todd Bowley did not look impressed. I was expecting the P45 for um, Graham Potter in in the post to, to have landed on kick on full time, but obviously it didn't happen. Do you, looking at the landscape for Chelsea, do you think Potter's got long in the job and do you think he can turn it around if if he stays? If he keeps on getting results like that and nil-nil, it was a bore nil-nil as well, then probably not. Let's just say the very s- small part of the P has been dotted on the line for every result that doesn't go the way that I want it, Todd Bowley says, let's just say it's like it's like hangman. So one there, one there, <laughs> one there, one there. It's a very long game of hangman. Yeah. Because as much as we don't know the extent of Potter's involvement in much of these transfers, these are transfers where we spent a butt ton of money. We're providing now for the future. We see you as the future, basically kind of you know, work with it, which you can look at that as one and two is a bad way, because you know, the manager should be the one that picking the players but at the same time now it's like he's done you he's, he's gone and done what a lot of owners would never ever do so he's just asking basically asking just to make kind of let's make it work but if you keep on getting like really bad results and we're playing the run of teams we're playing right now around us are teams we should be beating what West Ham next really truly sorry really and truly we should be beating them so if we get anything other than a win even just a win a 1-0 mini little scrap where, you know, three points, but it's three points on the board. It's another thing. Are you, home, team, are you home or away against West Ham? Um, we are away. We are away. So this it's is going to be, a, game, it, it's going to be, it's a tough game. They're in, a, they're in the wrong part of the table. They might have a bit of a point to prove. Declan Rice might be looking at his options. I don't know. But I'm, I'll tell you what, it was a boring nil-nil, but it was also a slightly more promising one because I didn't feel too massively threatened that they were going to come by and doing anything. Apart from when Kepa, when the ball was going over, he's like old Kepa actually got voodoo in his body and he's, he's taken up a ball that was going out anyway to get him back down by the goal. It's a bit like the Merseyside derby one where Jordan Pickford thought it was going out and Origi just jumped up and just magic little header. I got that flashback in my mind thinking, could you imagine the first game when we got turned over? Could you imagine Fulham doing a double over us in the for the first time in like God knows how long? So good thing that didn't happen. But there was promise. But let's just say the first line of the Hangman P45, very small, is, is, is starting to come in. So I think he will get results. I can see us getting the results against West Ham. We're going to have to work for it, but harder games will come. Quick question on that point, because obviously struggling to score goals, 
Chuggins do a lot of good things, right? I mean, Jao Felix looked sharp on his debut. He got a red card, obviously, so oh, yeah, he missed yeah. a few games. Madrid looked good in the little brief cameo he had, although it was against James Milner, so I'm going to put an asterisk <laughs> next to it because against, against Fulham, Tete had him in his back pocket in the locker, yeah. not even on the pitch. Um, but do you think now, kind of a little bit of hindsight, leaving Aubameyang out of the Champions League squad and also obviously not including him at all this weekend, do you think that's a bad decision by the manager that's going to probably have repercussions as the season goes on? Because the more you don't score goals, the more people look to him and say, well, you had a goal scorer on your bench. He's the only strike. He's the only pure and natural striker that we actually have. Because for all the players that we did buy, what we what we didn't get was a striker. Well, you got Fofana. Fofana, but at the same time, he's he's he's, he's got to get time to kind of mould in and kind of, you know, mould to a Premier League way. You've already got a Premier League proven striker already, who was you know who's also a trophy winner, who's also I think at one point then he got the golden boot, albeit a few years ago. Yeah. Don't you think there's a little bit in him that says that he can still do that? He can still find a way to get his ball in the back of the net. I just I don't know if what. If something's happened backstage, I don't know whether the influx of players put him on a bit of a threat and he might be feeling a bit squeamish. I don't know. But I also know that when you have a striker there, even if it's just a one striker, you kind of owe it to the way to play him if we're lacking with goals. Because it's now two on the two on the bounce, nil-nil. Two on the bounce, nil-nil. I don't think I don't think he even was on the bench for even one of them. He definitely didn't start. So tongues will wag, definitely. It might make that P on that P45 was that a little bit longer. Well, he had a striker, he didn't play him. And he saw, I know he got Fafana there, but he's brand new. He's fresh. He's going to be so raw. So at least there, if a strike, I mean, at least then, look, we already can write off the point that this part of the season, there's a good chance of not making top four. At least give something for the fans. At least get some goals. At least show a little bit of fight because these players here uh, were shown a long-term vision. So they're not necessarily looking forward to next year. We're looking probably to three years after that. You're talking five to three, five to eight year contracts. So they already know what they're signing up, are signing up to. That's what we're getting involved in. Because they're it. We're not signing any more players in, in the summer, or at least we so, sh- or at least we shouldn't be. Who, who, who said you're not? I've already heard you guys are looking to do some business in the summer. Well, we'll get people that people out, but the point about No, in. At week what people's got player. One one out. Thanks for taking him. We've got one out. There's still plenty more that can leave. I can name about five right now that can need to go. But yeah, if we have you have a striker, play him. Mm. Play him. He's not going for free. Play him. So because if you don't and the goals dry up and we're not getting any more points, that much points on the board, tongues will wag. So Yeah, Reese Strange posted a very cryptic post on um Instagram, which, you know, it's Instagram story. So you can interpret it as being directed at the club or not. He said that if if people aren't prepared to carry bricks for you or carry wood for you, leave them behind. And then I was like, oh, what is this? Does this mean he's, is he pointing fingers? I don't know. It could have been like a random, this sound kind of smart thing. But there might be something in it. Switching over to Arsenal. Obviously, we lost 1-0 against Everton away from home. New manager bounced, Sean Dyche, well done. Um, Arteta finally referred to them as Burnley. I mean, it was a goal made in Burnley. Uh, Tarkovsky at the header after White McNeil's corner. Can't really argue with that. I, I think the mistake we made is we just didn't raise our game enough to match them. It's a shame that when we brought on Jorginho from the next the next phase of play, they scored from the set piece. Um, good play from them. They blocked off um, Saliba, who was blocking that back post area. So I don't re- I'm not really overly upset about that defeat. I w- wish we could have raised our game, could have gotten a draw out of it at least. But mm. I always knew it was going to be tricky going away to them. Obviously, you'd want to get the three points. It's just a shame, Lampard, you couldn't hold on for one more week uh, or, or three more or another month. So all of us could have gotten three points of Everton, you know. All right. But, um, you know, I, I hope you're I hope you happy with yourself and you take a long break from management. I'm talking at least two more years. Um, maybe go to spend some time in, in, in Atletico Madrid, learn from Simeone, how to coach, 
then go to Real Madrid and learn how to be a man manager. And then maybe then you might have something because um, right now you don't have it. But um, yeah, I'm not overly upset. And I said was right. I think it's the time for him to be around the players. It's, it's not the worst defeat we've ever had. It's disappointing because we've played so well, but it was a kind of result where we've not won at Goodison Park in seven seasons, which mm. is astounding to think of. But, you know, it, it, there was a precedent there for some uh, upset and, and they managed to just do what needed to be done. Uh, let's move over to our dear friends, <laughs> other friends in red, Liverpool. Now, I have to admit, I was, at, I was at an event on the weekend. So you played on Saturday, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I was, I was actually, I was at an event. So I didn't really get to see the start of the game. All I know is I, I got here, got to the event. I checked my phone. I saw it was, someone said to me, oh, Liverpool are losing badly. I said, what do you mean losing badly? <laughs> checked it. I saw it was 2-0 before halftime. I was like, Jesu. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So Marcus, uh, I, I want to hand the floor over to you, but just before I do, now we've been talking a lot about Liverpool and Craig said it himself, and this is not, You've had a season like this before, two seasons ago, exactly, um, when after Pickford committed GBH against Virgil van Dijk and snapped his leg and he was out for the season, which didn't re receive any sufficient punishment as far as I'm concerned. Pickford should have been banned for as long as um, van Dijk was out injured, but that's a conversation for another day. But anyway, you, you, you know, that was a write-off season. So you gave Nat Phillips, and you gave a lot of other younger players a chance to just play and try their luck and just kind of, we'll try and we'll see what we can do. And last season, you came out really strong. And so in many respects, you know, Craig really did feel that you're going to run this year. You know, don't, no, there's nothing to be worried about. Liverpool will, will pull it together and go on a run. But it's just not coming together. And so I want to hand it over to you. And I just want to just get your general sentiments on what on earth is happening at Anfield before I ask the big question. Over to you. Yeah, look, I, I think everything you needed to know is when I when I sat down at three o'clock and wonderfully made my way to 12 minutes past three and found us 2-0 down, I wasn't really that surprised. And, and I think that kind of tells you a lot of what you need to know about where Liverpool are at at the moment, that, you know, we, we comprehensively lost 3-0 to Wolves in a game where they had the next three best chances. And, you know, we, we had a spell for... 20 25 minutes in the second half where we looked looked good without really being dangerous in in that sense we got the ball back we got some nice plays and passes and combination play but we didn't you know we didn't look overly threatening um and we all know the problems go deeper than what's going on on the pitch but obviously what's going on on the pitch is is what really you know everybody looks at and is what everybody judges by and you know one of the 10 things i've said on the last couple of weeks in the podcast or a combination of all 10 of them you know the injuries that we have to key players the fact that we played 63 games last season and had to deal with the emotional trauma of losing the league on the last day in the champions league final a week later um the the physical demand of Klopp's style of football on his players that is fundamentally the same core of starting players as it was three or four years ago. The the, the fact that we mm. basically don't have a midfield. The fact that I would have taken Wolves' 
three midfielders over our midfield any day of the week tells you that there's a major problem at Liverpool, that they don't have the right midfield. If, 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 if I'm telling you I take the midfield of the team that was sat bottom of the league three weeks ago. Like, you know, I, 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 think, I think there's, you know, there's the off-the-field stuff and the departure of our director of football followed by the departure of our CEO, um, you know, who went to focus on bigger sales things, um, you know, so he's no longer running the club day to day and and the nature of that. There's there's the rumours of some coaches getting a little bit more too much power than they they need and that there's a, a power struggle within the, the coaching staff. There's there's the there's the nature of the fact that we're we're a club that is want to be is, is up for sale. So therefore, you know, money wasn't spent in the, the January window where it needed to be spent, and and we hang mm. in limbo like over what's going to happen with the club. Like I, I just give you eight things there, and then I think it's probably a combination of all of them. But there is a major major problem at Liverpool, and 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 how that gets resolved is going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, it is. It is quite sad to see um, because, like, I want all my rivals strong, except for Manchester United. I don't care if you're strong or weak. <laughs> don't like you lot. You lot. You guys. You know why I don't like you lot. Forty nine. Forty nine undefeated. Should have been fifty, but you lot cheat us out of it. But <laughs> I mentioned that because there does feel to be a lot of shades in how things are transpiring at Liverpool with how it sort of started to tip turn with Arsene and the end of his time at Arsenal. Now, we know with Klopp in general, he doesn't spend this long at a club. It's the same with Pep Guardiola, but we're going to put them... (laughs) We're coming to them in a second, but like (laughs) it does feel a lot like we're at that kind of tipping point. For you from the outside looking in, uh, Matthew, and you see how things are kind of transpiring with Liverpool, with Jurgen Klopp, the fact that he seems so surprised when things don't go their way. He doesn't seem to understand why they're not winning games, which is always the first worry. So I mean, imagine he doesn't know what's gone wrong. And just his general demeanour, he does look lost. It's mm. the nicest way I can put it. Do you think that it's a bit concerning and maybe that question might start getting a bit louder. Very loud. Very, very loud. Like I remember the game, it was against Brighton. I think in the FA Cup game or, or it was two games to play Brighton and the result didn't go their way. And you just see the expression on his face. There's a very common expression on his face and Marcus, you might think, you might think slightly different, but whenever you guys, whenever you guys lose, he always has the same face whenever something doesn't go their way or, you know, he doesn't expect something. It's like this, it's like, Obviously, I don't know like the Jurgen Klopp, so I can't pull it off. And that face just shows a man where it's just like, he doesn't know what's going on. He can't seem to, this is, this is a, a stark contrast from what happened last year when they were fighting on every front so hard. And I think people ref, like remember that, you know, for 20, technically, if you're talking about 2022, the number of games that you actually played per player went up, not because of just how much you're going, you're fighting for the FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Premier League uh, and Champions League, there's also that big elephant in the room that was the World Cup as well. So when they were fighting, even pre-season, they, they were fighting for their spots in that team as well. And the vast majority of that team did feature in, you know, group stages all the way up to far, as far as like the round of 16 and things like that. So they were firing on all, can you imagine firing on all cylinders, different climates, different grounds, 
all that traveling, never being at one place at once, go to different hotels, especially for the two hotels going to Wembley when they played us twice last year. It takes you. I felt for them. I felt you feel for the players, especially for last year, especially when it goes all the way, like getting to like World Cup finals and stuff. It's just what a toll it takes. And just chalk it down to his, his players must be, or well, most players must be absolutely beat and mentally and physically uh, and drained. And it takes a toll. Look at all the injuries that they have and them not being able to replace them. Their main stars, like, you know, you haven't heard the names of Salah that much. You haven't heard the names of all the, you know, even like Luis Diaz. I mean, obviously, Darwin Nunez, he's fighting. He's, he's trying so, so hard. But I just think that, because I think they've, I, can't, I don't know if they've lost more, they've drawn more, but they've, they've, they've I think it's a high number, but it's they, 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 it's going to be, the, the whisper is going to be a bit more of a, a murmur now. Murmurs, the murmurs are going to get loud of asking that question, is it? Is it that question that we want to ask and talk about, considering of how how high up they were, even in the last for the last few years, has that time come? Is it now justified to mention those very words? Like, there, we were going to say it, and obviously Pep Guardiola as well. Is it that time? Well, Eric Ten Hag made a made a very interesting. It feels very prescient statement when he first came into the league, saying about you know, Klopp and Guardiola have had their era, but all eras come to an end. Now, turning it back to you, Marcus, is it the end for Jurgen Klopp? And do Liverpool need to seriously consider one finding him finding his replacement, and two? giving him the right send-off that he deserves for all the incredible stuff he's done for your club over these past six, seven years? I think when you when you think about the negatives of Arsene Wenger leaving Arsenal in the way he did, when he did, it, it just, it was not fitting of someone who had brought so much success to a club. And, and it was almost just like, you know, we need to get the man out of the door before he kills our club and you don't want that level of sourness in in that situation and look, I, I don't just kind of talk about the comparison to avoid the question because obviously it is a very pertinent question in the time we're in but I, if i'm mm. gonna if i'm gonna talk about Jurgen Klopp I have to I have to say that I I, I think he should take minimal fault for where Liverpool are yes he picks the team yes he creates the tactics. Yes, he's got to get the results ticking on the pitch. Um, and he is responsible for when he doesn't do that. But outside of that reality, he has been hung out to dry by our owners. Um, you know, not replacing that midfield is criminal. Um, we have signed one actual midfielder in, you know, since 2018 when we signed Nabicado Thiago. Um, and, and he is not, he has not been backed in the way that he needs to be backed. And, and you know, you can argue that's because the club is is in, in the position that it's in where they're looking to sell. But I, I, I think what I will say is this. Klopp is, is an incredible manager. He showed that he could turn it around in the season where we struggled before and we finished third that season. That's that's not going to happen this season. I, I, I don't see a way these bunch of players playing the way they're playing turn this around. Like there There is... Nothing to suggest to me that this team are going to get anywhere close to Europe this season. Like, and if this was anybody else, um, if this was Brendan Rodgers, if this was you know a young upcoming manager, I I would quite comfortably be be saying that Liverpool should not be sat at tenth in February, and whoever their manager is needs to go. Um, and 
and and I think that is is telling. Um, now Klopp has bought some time at Liverpool and has has earned all the the respect. Um, you know, as as Liverpool manager, and 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 with that, I think probably will be given that. But you know, I I, I can see a couple of scenarios playing out. The, the first is that it gets so bad um, that he walks. That, that's maybe the first scenario. I don't really see the club pushing him out the door, but he always said if it came to a point when he felt he was no longer the right man for the role in the right place, then he would step away. He said a couple of weeks ago in the press conference that he still believes he's the right man to to, to turn this around. So at least at this stage, he still feels like he, he's the right man. Um, but I, I think that's one scenario. I think another scenario is we get to the summer and this board situation, ownership situation is resolved to some extent and a new owner decides whether or not they... They want to do the rebuild with Jurgen Klopp and Jurgen Klopp would have the time to decide that in the summer off the back of us not being in any European competitions because I, I think that's that's virtually inevitable at this stage. Um, so, so, so with that, I, I, I think, you know, you can... You can say that it is it is definitely time to to ask the question is is his era coming to an end? Do Liverpool need to look forward? And and I think in looking forward, the only thing that at this particular stage concerns me is is the direction that Liverpool would potentially go in if Jurgen Klopp wasn't to be manager. Now I've had you know seven years of a great manager and not had any time to think about replacing our manager and this is maybe the first time in a very long time I've thought about potential options for Liverpool mm. um and 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 I come I come up with three and and I think there's challenges with all three of them but I think they are the the three best candidates for Liverpool in this particular market today number 1 is Mauricio Pochettino and and I think going after Pochettino would bring something fresh, something new, something different, would be a big enough challenge for Pochettino. Um, and, and and again, would maybe be a, a way in which he can see whether or not he's got what it takes at the top level um, to kind of revive a club from, it, or take a club into a new era. Um, but I think that the problems with Pochettino is that he, he's... He's kind of struggled to to do that with Paris Saint-Germain getting across the line for the big win and following Jurgen Klopp is not something that I'd necessarily want to do. Um, and, you know, that might be a, a tricky process for Pochettino who probably wouldn't be accepted by the fans right away um, and would have to prove himself at, at Liverpool. So I think that's that's the, some of the problems with it. But that's candidate number one. Candidate number two, you have Thomas mm. Tuchel. Um, who, you know, our dear friend Matthew knows some things about, and he has spent his entire career following Jurgen Klopp. So, um, you know, I I don't imagine he would have too many problems. And Tuchel is a quality manager. He he took Chelsea and won the Champions League off the back of Frank Lampard's time there. This Liverpool squad is better than that Chelsea squad at that time. And, and I fundamentally think that if he came in and got some fresh faces, he could take the club in a new direction. But you're going to be in a similar situation with Tuchel in a couple of years where it does does he does he have the longevity factor of being able to come, settle in, bed in, and do something over a longer period of time? Liverpool would give him it, but Tuchel, kind of like Mourinho, tends to get under people's skin come the, you know, 18-month to 
you know, three-year mark um, and, you know, two, or two-year mark, two-and-a-half-year mark, and, and and then Bridges end up getting burned because he's very abrasive and abrupt. And I think Liverpool would find that potentially a, a kind of mark against the likes of Thomas Tuchel. Um, and third and finally would be Zidane Zidane, who I, I think without doubt is an incredible candidate and would be probably my favourite candidate to replace Klopp. However, the big, big, big downside with Zidane Zidane is you know that we would always just be a stepping stone to France. And as soon as that French job is available, Zidane Zidane will pack his bags and go and take the French job, whether it be after a poor Euros in 2024, after a poor World Cup in 2026. So you're really only working on a short-term basis with Zidane. And, and is it worth the effort to invest three, four years in Zidane Zidane, who hasn't proven himself outside of the elite of the elite clubs, um, and Liverpool needs some taking back. Although he may have the the sway to be able to force some transfers in the positions that he needs, and Liverpool maybe are only two or three transfers and a new idea away from being right back to where they they were a season ago. Um, mm. But but that concern around the French job always hanging over is problematic, which which leads to. Ultimately, my final sentiment, which is that maybe the best thing Liverpool can do is completely count this season as a write-off, see where we land in the summer, and consider whether we want to rebuild with a new manager who's available in the summer, or Jurgen Klopp, if he still feels like Liverpool is the right place for him and that he wants to go again. You've, you've also got one really big option as well, in that you're in the Champions League still. So mm. you might yeah. have the worst domestic season. In, in I mean, and I think you've done it before in the past, where you finished fifth and won a Champions League and got into it. So you could easily yeah, do it again. True, yeah. It's not it's not out of the question. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if if you did pull it off. Obviously, for this season, I have vested interest, and I I want a certain team from Paris to to win it. Um, but you know, I, I I'm happy to put that to one side. No, I'm not. No, I'm absolutely not. I have to put this one side. It needs to happen for the culture. Messi and Mbappe and Neymar need a Champions League together. It has, has to happen. But no, I, I like what you said. There. I think the options of managers are, are quite interesting. Would you not consider Gerard? Or you think it's way too soon for him? Not a chance. Nope. You don't get sacked from Aston Villa and get the Liverpool job. No, not a chance. He he has to really pro- prove himself as a that he's got what it takes to manage at the top level before we would give him a chance. And I, I don't think he's. I wouldn't even have him. I wouldn't even interview him. Wouldn't even have him on the shortlist. I, I think realistically, looking at how things are playing out, I th- I think Klopp will get one more season. I think mm. yeah, this year, I'll, even with Wenger, I don't. It wasn't so much the one season that was the indicator that the time it was was, was going up. It was years. it was the steady decline in what yeah. we were doing. Because I look back over the period of, of Wenger's, you know, his final years at Arsenal, and if we'd won the league in 07, 08, that would have bought him. The, the, the extra years he stayed, that would have given him capital for it. Mm. 15, 16, would have bought him capital. 11, 12. I'm picking the seasons where we, where we were there and thereabouts and then fell apart. 15, 16, of course. And then, um, yeah, just those. Ones, really. too, yeah. Just, just those particular seasons, I think that he, we, we, he could have done something a bit more. But, alas... He got removed and now he's, you know, welcome back with open arms. And um, and I guess the, you know, it's interesting to see what happens to Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, there's a, a massive news broke this week and um, we would love to get into it more. But frankly, there's not enough information to say except for this. When, when, the, when the Premier League labels 100 charges at you as a football club, 
you need to get the best lawyers in the world and you need to have your little black book and you might want to <laughs> you might want to call up Ghost and Tommy from Power just to make sure <laughs> that this gets settled one way or the other because it doesn't look good for them as Castillo would say it don't look good breath <laughs> don't look good breath but we're not really going to discuss that situation right now or the number 11 who got um, let off his charges even though we all saw the evidence or heard the ev- all heard the evidence but apparently there's not enough to convict so we're not going to talk about that either Mm-mm. not today anyway that's a conversation for another day um but i think we'll call it a wrap there it's really interesting what's, what's you know going on with Liverpool this season like i said i do think another year we can kind of turn it around. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. the He's end, end for Klopp, but it is it is a bit concerning. I guess for you, Matthew, for, for the last closing thoughts, we'll just say this in passing regarding Man City. Are you worried about your club now? No. You should be. I'll be worried when the more, I'll be more worried with more things come out, but for the time being, we're all right because we've been in this kind of situation before with other, other kind of questionable transfers nothing's come of it so i think we i think we kind of skate on it very finely because because i'd i'd say this if if i'm newcastle if i'm chelsea and potentially manchester united if they get new ownership and liverpool if they get new ownership as well if this man city situation is very very worrying if you're a mega rich state owned club mm. where because the issue with man city it's the fact that they have in um massage their books in terms of how the money allegedly how the money for sponsorship has come in it just doesn't add up and and that's part of where the issue lies and and you can't hide that it's not a financial fair play issue it's a it's breaking basic breaking, breaking rule. the law <laughs> so the punishment ranges what could be interesting for you as a Liverpool fan uh marcus is you might have an extra couple of premier league trophies on your on your record book yeah. if if the punishment is so severe most most the, the general sentiment is that it would probably just be a points deduction mm. it won't happen this season because it's it's taken them what seven years i think to get to this conviction point which is quite interesting or to get to this charge point so it's going to take a while to, to kind of go through all the information what is good though is it's not going to be played in public so mm. it's going to be a private tribunal ironically the main guy pushing the charges is an arsenal fan same doing the lord's work <laughs> and um you know we'll just have to see how it plays out but I, I i personally think if if there is even a possibility of man city being guilty and you know um there's a lot of smoke right now coming out of the etihad then i don't think pep will be there next season no i do not think he'll be there next if if he sticks to his word and he doesn't want to be part of a, a corrupt dodgy organization again then he will leave <laughs> you know what actually you know what actually saying that that's mad work for seven years worth of work to turn up stuff to turn up over a hundred charges seven years worth of work that is mad, mad. and the t- and the timing of the release is very interesting yeah, as well like as well who, who, who drops that on a, on a quiet monday sunday evening monday like who, no. who drops that news like Someone that time was, it's just so bizarre somebody was feeling they're watching that game being like nah, now's the time now's the time they were feeling it and, and you know the Man City owners were shocked. They did not, or leadership group were shocked. Did not see this coming. But hey, that's the best kind of surprises. But um, <laughs> we're going to call it a, a wrap there. Uh, got some more games coming up this weekend. Arsenal back in action against Brentford on Saturday. Nice early kickoff. Hope for a good bounce back after the disappointment of the game against Everton. Chelsea, who you guys got? West Ham away. West Ham away. So West Ham, you know what to do. And Liverpool, who's on your on your upcoming fixture list? Merseyside derby Monday night. 
Well, you, you got a nice mm. little um, three points off your little neighbour brothers. Get, get them back for us, please. You know, a good 3-0 hiding will do me and all of us the world of good and bring Sean Dyche's men crashing back down to earth where they belong. Because <laughs> <laughs> the championship is calling them. But anyway, that is us signing out. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Let us know what you think. Do you think Everton will survive under Sean Dyche? If not, let us know. Do you think Man City are done for? Will they get expelled, expelled from the Premier League? Will they be in the Championship next season? Will they be in the in the National League? Who knows? <laughs> will Pep Guardiola still be there? And lastly, will Jurgen Klopp turn it all around? But this is us signing out. Till next week. Hey. Peace.